may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. How great is our God. How great is our God. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And what a beautiful crowd this Sunday morning to see you today. I was getting a, worried, a little worried about this side But some have shifted from this side to this side, and our church will be okay. We're not going to slide over this morning. But but at the beginning, and sitting in the choir, that side was filling up, and this one wasn't. I thought, we're going to just tip over this morning. But thank you for balancing it out today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. I don't know about you, but um, I kind of like those fall back Sundays. Now, I know it's going to be dark too early. But boy, I like that extra hour of sleep. Anybody else like that extra hour of sleep? Somebody say amen. <laughs> Nothing better than an extra hour of sleep except an extra helping of food in the, in the serving line. Those are two of my favorites. So there we go. Speaking of food, we welcome our newcomers to join us this morning downstairs for a newcomer's luncheon. And this is the first time we have done that. If you're new here in 2019, please come and join us. Be there with us. We will be scheduling another one um, in the coming months, um, early in 2020. And we hope that if you can't come today, you can come to that one. Um, And we're just praying for other guests to come and just join with us. Amen. And uh, as we go towards the end of the year, we're going to have something special called Christmas at NCOG. And uh, we are working on some, some little cards to give to you that you can help get the word out. And um, I think it would be great to end this year in a strong push to invite people to God's house. You, you be all right with that? Everybody say amen to that. And, and so we're working on that. And, and we're going to give you some little cards, maybe that looks like this or something, to, to hand out, invite friends and neighbors, family members wouldn't it be neat if, if you were the person that invited someone to God's house and they came and God changed their life? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome? And I, I just believe that God wants us to reach out and invite. I'm looking forward to some really neat, creative things in the month of December. Our young people are going to be doing some things one week. Our, our teenagers are going to be doing some things and we'll have a sermon that corresponds with, with uh, what they're doing. And uh, some other things that are on the horizon, and it's just going to be wonderful. But I thank God for today, too. And what a beautiful crowd. God is good to us. And I think I had one other thing. Uh, Oh, I wanted to just recognize everyone who participated, and Pastor Daryl and Pam who who coordinated the Trunk or Treat um, on Friday night, and everyone that helped participate. I'm not sure who Virginia Herring was or what she was, but... uh, That would be the most unique costume. So we'll give her that award. But thank you for coming. I don't know how many were here, but I think um, a conservative estimate would be over 100 children. And I think that's probably conservative. It was a wonderful, wonderful night. And um, thank God for that. Thank God for you and being part of that. Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at a, a parable. This is in some ways an extension from last week although we're starting a new series this morning called the Care Series, the Care Series. We have done a series on Connect, a series on Create, and, and now we're moving into a series for the month of 
November about caring, caring and giving and serving and sharing and extending God's love and being his hands and his feet. And, um, but the start to that series this morning, a, a sermon title, is the reality check. Reality check. If I am unable to define or understand correctly or properly my own reality, then I'll never be able to care for or help someone else. If I am unable, through God's help, to really define or understand the reality of someone else and, and where they are in life, it'll be difficult for me to fully care for them or to help them. And so today, we're going to talk from this parable that Jesus gave in Matthew 22, and we're going to, we're going to talk about a reality check. Have you ever heard of someone just being clueless? Has anyone looked at you and said, you're just clueless? clueless. Maybe you've said or you've had it said to you, what world have you been living in? Or better yet, what rock have you been hiding under? Sometimes we can be clueless. Sometimes people around us can be clueless. I would make a reference to maybe those jokes that they used to to tell about women of a certain hair color, but I better be very careful this morning and not to do that. But some people can be clueless Living under a rock, hiding from reality, that speaks to reality. Let me tell you what reality is. Reality is the world or the state of things as they actually are. Reality is real. Reality is the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to some idealistic notion or some notional idea of how things are. How many knows that sometimes we can have a skewed reality? We can think that things are one way when they really aren't at all. Or we can perceive something. Now, it has been said that perception is reality. And in some ways, that's, that's right in its own warped way, I guess. If I'm perceiving something, that's my reality. But I may not be perceiving it correctly. Sometimes we meet someone and and our first impression of them isn't the best. But then as we get to know them, we realize, oh, they're not so bad after all. Now, I hope that's what you think about me. I hope you say, oh, he's not so bad after all, after eight months. (laughs) But, But reality are the way things really are. Let me just say something right here at the beginning of the sermon. It is God who defines reality. It is God who ultimately defines the reality of this world in which we live today. And God really knows how things are and how they ought to be. It is God who really defines and knows the truth, the true reality about you and I. He knows my lying down and my getting up. He knows my thoughts from afar off. It is God who defines and knows reality. So although we may not see clearly, we may not view clearly, we may not think all the time clearly, God always sees, views, knows, thinks clearly. God knows the true reality. So that brings us to a decision, a a fork in the road, if you will. And and sometimes it can seem as if there are signs pointing to go this way or, or to go that way or arrows in different directions. And knowing that God defines reality brings it to us as making a choice. Are we going to 
allow God to speak to us in such a way that we'll understand what reality is and where we are and where we should go. Are we going to listen to him and clearly understand his reality or not? Which direction are we going to go? If you weren't able to be in the Sunday school class here in the sanctuary this morning, I I believe a lot of of what was taught there in the middle of that class uh, goes along with with this. God knows, God understands, and are we going to follow him? Are we going to let him direct our paths? So please look with me, Matthew 22, and let's just start working through these. We're going to go through these 14 scriptures this morning from this parable. Matthew 22, 1 through 7 And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Now let me just stop there for just a moment. And and the first part of what he is speaking to there in this parable is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world. And he, the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. He sent him first to the Jewish people, God's chosen people. And we know that the prophets had, had prophesied. And, and, and all through the Old Testament, it was building climactically to this coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But yet the Jewish people, God's chosen people, rejected the Son. They rejected him. And then we as non-Jewish, we as Gentiles, thanks be unto God, were grafted in. We were brought into the family of God. And, and the Son of God, his invitation extended to all of us. And so when I take that phrase uh, and we look at the Jews who rejected Christ, we can also look at that and see that there is an invitation. There is a Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world for you and for me, for each of us personally and we have a choice to make. Will we accept Jesus Christ as our true Lord and Savior? Will we allow him to cleanse us from our sins? Will we allow him to come into our hearts and direct our lives? And that's an individual choice that each of us must make. Let's continue on with verse 4. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner My oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding, he says. But they made light of it and they went their ways, one to his own farm and another to his own business. And let me just preach right here for just a moment. The invitation to salvation through Jesus Christ is not something to make light of. The extension of the grace of God through and by Jesus Christ is not anything to to be light of. As it was mentioned in the Sunday school class of someone holding up a sign in California and saying, God, stay out of California. I want to tell you this morning, I don't want God to stay away from me. I want him to come to me. And thank God he has come to each one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. Who? Through Jesus Christ. And so that that invitation is not something to take lightly, nor is it something to delay Or avoid. 
You see in those scriptures that we just read, one went to his business, one went to his farm. I want to preach to us from my heart this morning. We can occupy our time with many things that are not sinful, with many things that might be fine to do and be very productive in doing so. But are we just using those in some cases to avoid thinking about our eternal souls and our relationship with Jesus Christ? There is nothing that we can do in this life. There is no vocation. There is no purpose, no goal that can be any greater than first and foremost knowing Jesus Christ as our true Lord and our true Savior. And so I say it with all love this morning. If you're young and you say, I'm going to serve him, I'm going to accept this invitation, but not today. I'm going to wait a few years. Please don't wait. Please don't delay. Live your life for Jesus Christ. Build your life upon the principles and the promises and the patterns of God's word. And start today. But let me preach over here and you say, well, I have lived a lot of my life and I have avoided this invitation. Let me tell you, today is the day of salvation and the grace of God is still extended to you and he can still make you a new creature in Christ Jesus, regardless of the age. Come to Christ, come accept this invitation. Verse five, but they made light of it, they went their ways One to his own farm, another to his business. Look at verse 6. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, and he destroyed those murderers, and he burned up their city. The first part of that, we we could talk about how they took Jesus Christ and they crucified him. The Lord Christ. Even before that, they took the prophets who who really tried to preach the trueness of the Christ to come and the message of God. Many times prophets were killed and persecuted for proclaiming the truth. Jesus himself suffered an ultimate, ultimate death on the cross. Not because he had done anything wrong. But because of what he stood for, who he was. And they couldn't accept who he was because it was messing up their power. It was messing up the way they thought things should be. But I want to tell us this morning, we need to accept Jesus Christ for who he is. The truth of Jesus Christ, of the gospel. It is good news. It is awesome news. It is the power of God unto salvation type news. But it also is news that will shake our world and rock our world. He does teach some tough things. He said, if you come after me, let let any man who comes after me deny himself. Take up his cross daily. He says that he must be first and no other. He says that I am the way, the truth, the life, and no other. I want to tell you this morning, we must accept Jesus Christ in his fullness and the fullness of his teachings. I encourage us to to read through the Gospels and read what Jesus said. Read what he taught and let it change our minds and our hearts and our lives. Some of those things are easy and joyful things, but some of those things are, are a little more difficult. Some of those things cause us to get out of our comfort zone. Some of those things cause us to deal with this thing called sin. But it all is blessed in the end. 
It all leads to a good place in the end. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know what Jesus taught? Do we know his words? If we don't know, or you say, Pastor, I want to know more, or I need to know more, then I encourage us to get in the Gospels and and read what Jesus preached, read what Jesus taught. Then that last verse in verse 7 was talking about that the the master sinned and had the city burned, and what what he's referring to there is judgment. Now, in one case, we could talk about the judgment that came upon Israel and came upon the Jewish kingdoms because of their rejection many, many different times. But in our lives, I I just want to preach here very delicately and very kindly this morning. Every bad thing that happens in our lives isn't necessarily God's judgment. Okay? But can can I preach in love that Sometimes it is. God is a God of love, but he is a God of judgment. God is absolute. And God will not let me get by with something and not let you get by with it. He looks at us all equal. He is the most just judge in the land, in the world. He is the eternal judge. And sin for me is sin for you. Wrong for you is wrong for me. And we'll all give an account to God as individuals. I I know this is not a shouting message. But it's a rich message. We must grasp the fullness of God's love. But understand that he is a God of judgment. But through Jesus Christ and the grace of God we can avoid that judgment. Through the grace of God we can become new creatures in Christ. Through the grace of God we can have every sin wiped away. By the grace of God, by this gift of the Son that that He sent forth to this world, we can stand one day in confidence knowing that He will say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. I want to hear Him say, Well done. Because the other option, as we talked about last week, was depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Do you know Jesus Christ? This morning, God has given us an invitation, but we decide whether we say yes or whether we say no, or maybe we say maybe, but our answer should be yes. I remember in elementary school, you might write a a little young lady a note and say, do you like me? Circle one. Yes. No. Maybe. (laughs) And then the the little girl might answer, not on your life, buddy. I don't know. But she had a decision on how she would answer that. You and I have been created to make our own decisions. It's called free will. Free will. Uh, Let me just be careful with this, but, but can I tell you in a lot of ways, and maybe in every way, nobody can make you or me do anything. Think about that. Think about that. God has created us with free will. Well, you say, well, my employer makes me come to work and and sets my time schedule 9 to 5 and Monday through Friday and Saturdays 8 to 1. Well, yes, but they can't make you or I show up to work. 
you say, well, I'll lose my paycheck. That's correct. It would be the consequence of our choices, wouldn't it? When I got up this morning, I, I, no one made me come here this morning. Out of an act of a free will, I came. We make all kinds of decisions, and, and we're, a lot of times we're making it because we'll know we'll get a paycheck or an incentive or some kind of blessing or commendation or something good. Sometimes we avoid certain decisions because we know there's a, a consequence or maybe termination or, or a penalty or, or whatever it might be. So we make decisions based on the goods and the bads, but no one makes decisions really for us. God has given us a free will. And so his Holy Spirit will draw us to himself. His Holy Spirit will draw us to things of God, but it is up to us to respond to that. The Holy Spirit, he, he is a person, and he is a gentleman. He will draw us, he will convict us, he will stir us, he will prompt us, but he will not force us. That's how God designed it. So I ask us this morning, are we responding to the invitation that God has given to us through Jesus Christ? Are we taking up our cross and following him? Some invitations might come in the form of a baby shower or a wedding celebration or a graduation ceremony. And sometimes we say yes, sometimes no, maybe. But this is the ultimate invitation this morning. Let's look on and read about that. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, this master here in the parable, he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite into the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. I want to talk just a moment about our responsibility to extend this invitation. If we have received, and I hope that everyone has, and if you haven't, I hope you do before you leave today. If we have received eternal life through Jesus Christ, if we have become Christians, how about this? We should go into the highways, into the hedges, and extend that invitation so that all might know the gospel and the good news. How do we extend that invitation? One, first and foremost, it's by living the life. People notice how we live. And sometimes you don't even think, sometimes I don't even think about it or realize it. But do you know people are watching our lives? And we can be a living testimony. And perhaps you've been looked at before and, and, and they say, well, I don't know how you are able to, to deal with everything you're dealing with. It's because of the hope you have in Christ. Maybe you've been looked at before and, and somebody has said, well, I would have given them a piece of my mind, but you didn't because there's a fruit of the Spirit. Or maybe you just said, if you gave them a piece of your mind, you might not have any left. I don't know. But people are watching how we look how we live, how we walk. And that's one way to extend this invitation. But then secondly, it's by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the most effective witnessing tools is to share our personal testimony, to share what God has done in our lives, but to share the gospel. And I ask us a question this morning. Are we ready to give an answer 
if someone should ask us about the hope that we have in Christ. If not, I challenge us to spend a little time, maybe write it down on paper and think a little bit of, if someone asks me, how do I come to know Jesus Christ as my personal and Savior? Could you give an answer? Could I give an answer? Would it be clear enough? Can I, can I lead someone to Christ? These are important things to think of, isn't it? This invitation is a precious invitation. It's a, it's a worldwide, it's a whosoever invitation. And, and may we take it seriously and tell others about Jesus Christ. Look with me to verse 11. I want to talk about a dictionary. I want to talk about how something is defined, the meaning of something as we look at this next part of this parable. A dictionary defines or gives the meaning of words. But Christ defines and gives the meaning of life and of salvation. And Christ decides whether we're righteous or not, whether we're saved or not. Look with me, please, to verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, so, so we've seen that they've, the original guests rejected. They've sent out the servants into the highways and hedges. They've brought in everybody, the good, the bad, the ugly, everybody, and they've filled the hall. And now the king, the master, is coming in here to, to check. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there. Watch this. He saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. It's a sad verse. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We have read two parables in two Sundays now where Jesus has referenced a place called hell. You would say, Pastor, is there really an eternal place called hell? Yes. Does Jesus teach that there is a place called hell? Well, we have seen that last week and this week. Here he is talking about a place of outer darkness, weeping, biting. Can you imagine such a place? I don't want to imagine such a place. I don't want to go to such a place. If any of us in this room were to go to such a place, we would go as intruders. They don't want us there. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Yet the Bible says that hell has been enlarged because so many have rejected the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want anyone in this room to go to hell. I don't want anyone in this area or in these communities to go to hell. And we have the answer. We know Jesus Christ. We know he is the way and he is the truth. And I want to preach to us this morning. I, I, will, I love to see a full house this morning. And I, I dream of the day where every pew is, is filled. But it's not just about that. It's about souls being saved from an eternal hell. I want to see lives 
blessed and ministered to by the Bible, by scriptural principles. I want to see families thriving because they're following the teachings of Christ. All of that I want to see. We want to see it. But greater than any of that, we don't want anybody to go to hell. We don't mention hell very often. It's an uncomfortable subject. Can I tell you, when, when I was looking at both of these parables and the Holy Spirit was leading me to preach from both of these parables, just, even myself, I thought, oh, you don't want to preach about hell. We don't want to talk about hell. But Jesus did. He gave the warning, but he gave the way of escape. Can we accept him today? Can we know him? Yes, 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 we can. And he decides if we're ready to be in this, to say it from the parable, to be in this wedding banquet. He said, if you look up there, he looked at this man and he said, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? This wedding garment is symbolic of the righteousness of Christ. I cannot approach God in my own self and in my own righteousness, but I can through Christ. I cannot be worthy to walk into heaven's gates in my own self, but in Christ and his righteousness, I can. There's an old song that says, I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do. I took off the old coat and I put on the new. What is the writer talking about is I took off the old coat, the old garment of sin. I cast it aside and one day he clothed me in the new coat, in the new garment of his righteousness. And now I can stand clean and free before God. And he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Are you free this morning? It's not good enough to just sit around the guest at the wedding banquet. It's not good enough to say, well, my mama, she's the mother of the groom. And my, my daddy, he prayed over the meal and, and they're all saved and ready. But it's an individual thing this morning. I cannot ride as good as my sainted grandmother was who we laid in the ground a few weeks ago as holy and wonderful and a prayer warrior and loved the Lord and zealous as she was. I cannot ride her coattails into heaven. I have to make my own calling and election sure. And you and I both have to do that. Walking into a garage does not make me a car. Walking into Walmart for me doesn't necessarily make me a shopper. Because I'm a tightwad. Walking into a church and sitting on a pew does not make me a Christian. It's good. But I must be clothed in the wedding garment. I must have his righteousness put on to me. Put off that sinful nature and let him put on and clothe me in his righteous garment. Verse 12 again. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He was speechless. I want to tell us this morning when we stand before God as an individual one day, we will not be able to give any excuse or any complaint or no rationale 
no reasoning in a way. We, at that moment, have either accepted the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, or we have rebelled against it. He was speechless, the Bible said. And then verse 14, down at the end of this parable, another sad verse, really. For many are called, now that's happy, but few are chosen. Why are few chosen? Because they have rejected the invitation of Jesus Christ. Why are you preaching like this, Pastor? What, what is the purpose this morning? One is if, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you haven't put on the righteousness of God through Christ, today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. You say, well, pastor, I have been in church all my life or most of my life. I've gone through traditions. I've joined and put my name on a membership role. I've even been baptized. I want to ask you, though, have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart? Don't wait until it's too late. Can I be real careful right here? Can I be very careful right here in how I preach and preach it with love? But don't wait until you're laying down there at Martha Jefferson or at UVA and one of us, whether it's Pastor Jay or myself or, or Sister Allison or Brother Allison, and we're coming down there and we want to do our very best to try to see would, will they make it right with God. Please don't wait because I've seen too much. You might think you have time, but sometimes we pastors walk into those rooms and people are not in their right mind anymore. Sometimes we walk into those rooms and, and people are confused. And sometimes we walk into those rooms and the medical people are working and we don't have the real opportunity to talk like we want to talk. Can I just preach from my heart this morning? Please don't wait. There's no reason to wait. It's your eternal soul. Turn your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Today, today is the day of salvation. Is that all right this morning? I'm not, pre I'm, I'm not preaching hard this morning. I, I, if you could feel my heart, I'm preaching from love today. Now, next week, I can't promise. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm preaching from love. I'm preaching from love this morning. I'm preaching reality. Yes, reality. Reality. I'm trying to give us all a reality check this morning. Souls are dying. Men are crying. Won't we lead them to the cross? That beautiful special that was sung this morning about the cross. It's our job. It's our mandate. It must be our heartbeat to send the gospel out. That Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. I have three questions in our closing slide this morning. If they'll put it up on the screen. I put I there. I didn't put we. I put I. It's a question for me. It's a question for each of us this morning. How will I respond to the king's son? I could just write right there. I could say, how will I respond to Jesus Christ? Will it be of respect? Will it be reverence? How will my response be to the king's son? Second question. I will respond to the king's invitation. He said, whosoever will, let him come. He wants to save us. He wants to take our sinfulness, cover it with his blood, and impute onto us, put onto us that garment of righteousness. How will I respond 
to the king's invitation. Thirdly, how will I respond to the king's reality? I, in my frailty, have not been able to fully communicate the truths of this parable like I would love to do. I have given it my all. I have tried to, to frame it up and put slides up and tried to communicate it and try to, to give it to us this morning. But I want us to know there is a reality in living and God decides it. God decides it. How will I respond to the king's reality? Will I ignore reality? Will I hide under a rock? Will I just get in the car every day and pump the music as loudly as I can just to keep my mind off of it? Will I work myself around the clock so that I don't have to really deal with my eternal soul? Or will I say today that maybe, just maybe, the Lord put me here this morning at 1505 Simmons Gap Road to hear the gospel message that can change my life. God alone defines reality. God alone defines reality. Christ alone distributes righteousness. Christ alone distributes righteousness. I alone can believe and receive. Would you stand with me this morning? Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? 